Hey, I've got good news for everybody. Football's over. It's baseball season. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Fired up. Get, get excited. Chris Towers immediately. Yeah. Scott's there. Chris, you need to get there. Get excited. What? Get excited for, for uh, baseball. What? Uh, nothing. nothing. I was listening. Okay. This is, this is like one of your outros, Adam. <laughs> this intro. But not my fault. It's Chris's fault this time. Uh, I think it's Adam's fault. Scott, whose fault do you think it is? Adam's. Mm. All right. Well, if we have a new audience today, we're usually better than this. And if you are a fantasy football <laughs> listener, don't tell anybody else that I said that. It's always football season. We love football. But right now, it's time to get excited for fantasy baseball. We are going to talk about some late-round picks for you. Get acquainted with some players that you could take in the late rounds that we like that right now are being undervalued. We'll read some emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Talk about Wade Davis going to the Rockies. And Scott and I talked about our Roto teams that we drafted a couple weeks ago. On last week's show, Chris did not get a chance to do so. So, Chris, are you looking forward? Can you hear me now? Are you looking forward to talking about your rotisserie chicken team? Yeah, it's a great team. It's the best team. I think many people are talking about how good this team is. (laughs) It is a good team. And apparently a demon from outer space took over your body and drafted your team. Well, no, I just, I, I do it to troll Scott now. With every draft is going to be wildly different now. So I can mess with Scott's head. And destroy the sanctity of the mock draft system. He's throwing drafts, basically. He's, he's taking a dive. This exactly. is his best draft. This draft was a, a great draft. You should take a dive more often. Yeah. All right, let's start with an email. Email of the day from Dan in St. Paul. Dear Boutros, Kofi, Bon, and Antonio. These are, uh, I actually knew this. These are heads of the UN. Yeah, Butchers, yeah. Butchers, Gali. Uh-huh. I know that guy. I didn't know Antonio. I didn't know that uh, he just recently took over. Kofi Annan. Yeah, Bon Mi, right? Bon no? Ki Moon, I believe was Bon Ki Moon. Yeah. Yep, yep. I didn't know there was an Antonio. That one I had to to do the Google. Sure, but he's we all new. know Butchers, Butchers, Gali. Yeah, there you go. Um, I have a peace proposal for the wins versus quality start conflict. As we start a new year. See, he's making it relevant to the greeting. It's good. Mm-hmm. I generally agree with the quality start crowd, but it's really annoying when a starter or a reliever gets the win, but no quality start credit in quality start leagues. Why not combine wins and quality starts just like saves and holds? It will be a better metric for performance. The better pitchers in the end will likely have more wins and quality starts. What do you think? Combine them. One stat. I assume he's talking about a categories league. Yeah, because if we're talking about points, the you're already getting. Yeah, there would there would be there would be some unintended consequences there. I think it's I think um, it's an interesting idea. I think like the problem is like wins are an arbitrary uh, thing. You have to like not. you have to go five innings, or you have to be the person that the official score decided won the game, which rarely it's happens. Stupid, but yeah. like quality starts are pretty arbitrary too. Yeah, like. A quality start where you allow a 4.5 ERA, like, eh, that's fine. Like, kind of stretching the definition of the word quality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I mean, I guess if we're talking about, I, I have no problem with quality starts replacing wins in a categories league because there is already no built in reward for innings. So this kind of rewards it, which I, I mean, wins do too. You normally pitchers, and ERA. pitch deeper into games, leave less of the, the, uh, you know, completing the game to the bullpen. 
are uh, are more likely to pick up wins. So there there are some kind of like indirect rewards for pitchers who pitch deep into games. It's a little easier to get quality start as opposed to a win. I mean, I've I've kind of wondered why roto leagues don't just use innings as a category instead of wins or quality starts, but. I'm sure maybe there's some unintended consequences I haven't thought all the way through there as well. I think it's fine. I mean, five by five leagues where you don't, when you don't have to worry about weighing stats relative to other stats, I, I think you can, I think you can mix it up but, a but little no, easier. But now we're, we're just talking about quality starts versus wins, like specifically this idea of combining the two categories. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I, I think it's, I, the one thing that I will say that the analogy to the save slash holds uh, combined category is save slash holds opens up a different group of players to fantasy relevance. Quality starts wins doesn't really. No. Like the guys who gets quality starts are generally also the guys who get wins. They're generally also the guys who get a lot of strikeouts. They're the guys who get low ERAs. You know, like the best players are still the best players. So it's not really solving an issue. You know? Yeah. It, well, it's just it, kind it, of reducing the luck element. And here's yeah. the other issue. I mean, it does, it might make the elite aces just like extremely valuable over the non-elite aces. Yeah, I mean, Max Scherzer probably gets 45 wins and quality starts in a good year. Right. It might, it might make, it might make the best starting pitchers a little bit too valuable. But, um, I do want to ask you guys a question. There were four pitchers in baseball last year who won 18 games to lead baseball. Can you name them? Fourteen who won eighteen. No, sorry, four. Four pitchers who won eighteen. Uh, four. Fourteen. Yeah. Uh, four pitchers who won eighteen. Corey yeah. Kluber. Yes. Uh, I I think Clayton I'm, Kershaw, even though it was short, I think he got there. You are correct, sir. Yeah. Did Irvin Santana get eighteen? He did not. You idiot. He got sixteen. Isn't there one like weird one like that? Chris, I'm not going to tell you if there's a weird one. Chris, Chris, there's Chris a weird Sale. One. There's a weird one. Uh, not Chris Sale. Okay. But like you somebody got somebody else for the Indians won eighteen games yes, or something, right? And he Trevor was, Bauer, Carlos no, Carrasco, Carlos Carrasco, yeah. Kershaw, Carrasco, Kluber, and who's the weird one? Uh, Trevor Bauer won seventeen. The weird one, same division, same AL division as the Cleveland Indians, but it wasn't Irvin Santana. It was he did not Justin make Verlander. He did no, but same initials. <laughs> Uh, Jason Vargas. Jason Vargas. Yeah, that was that was the one I was thinking of. I thought it was uh yeah. Yeah, there good, good job. And he had 16 quality starts, the other 3 in that 18 win group. Kershaw had 20, Carrasco had 19, Kluber had 22. There you go. Okay. So, uh thank you for the email, Dan and St. Paul. Thank you for bringing peace to this process. News and notes, really not much. Still been a pretty slow off season. Colorado did sign Wade Davis to a three-year, $52 million deal. They have a really good bullpen, at least the makings of it. Davis was the number 11 reliever in points, number 10 in Roto. But it's really only because he only had 33 save chances. He converted 32 of them. And he had a pretty high whip. He had his worst walk rate of his career, 4.3 walks per nine, but also great strikeout rate, 79 strikeouts and 58 and two-thirds. 1.14 whip is pretty high for a— for a reliever, especially a great closer. Anyway, what do you think about Wade Davis going to the Rockies? He's clearly their closer, right? And uh, that's number one. And number two, where is he going to fall in the rankings? I think you probably have to drop him a little bit. I already had him 
pretty low. I had him and Greg Holland right next to each other, the back end of the top 12. Um, and that was kind of assuming Holland would return to Colorado, which obviously isn't going to happen. I think, I think Colorado kind of just replaced Greg Holland with Greg Holland, frankly. So if you liked what Greg Holland did for you last year and the ERA was kind of inflated because of a ridiculously bad stretch in August. Uh, but for, you know, five of the six months, Greg Holland was a, uh, a very reliable closer for you. And I think Wade Davis will do fine. Uh, Scott. Yeah. Did you know that Wade Davis had the highest swing strike rate of his career last season? That is surprising to me. I do. Walks. A lot of walks. So his, um. But Holland had a lot of walks too. Wade Davis's primary secondary pitch. Primary secondary pitch is his cutter. <laughs> and his primary breaking pitch is his curveball. I do wonder just what the impact, and this is something that we'll probably want to research a little, and there's been a bunch of research about, um, about the effects of course field on specific pitch types. I wonder what the effect of it is on a, on the curveball. Because mm-hmm. curveballs rely so much on spin rate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna, I'm trying to find, there was a fan graphs piece last year about, um, about the Rockies approach to trying to figure out course field, uh, and it was about pitch selection, but I, I can't find it right now, so it's not that interesting. Well, bigger picture, Wade Davis is, I think he's 32. A great year with the saves, 32 and 33 chances, but 4.3 walks per nine, but also the velocity keeps dropping a little bit. It's two straight years as the velocity has gone from, about 96.5 to about 95.5 to about 94.5. He's at night, he was at 94.6 according to Fangraphs last year. Still throws pretty hard, but velocity's mm-hmm. dropping a little bit. Do you see bust potential for Wade Davis? Not more so than, you know, most closers. Pre- pretty much every closer but Jansen and Kimbrell, I think, is uh, on shaky ground. Um, I, I, Wade Davis, I have him 10th in my rankings officially, and I think the drop off at closer is right after 12. So I still have him, you know, there's those two at the very top, Jansen and Kimbrell, and then it's kind of like, everyone else I more or less trust between 3 and 12, but, um, but, I mean, it's, it's a position with a role with notoriously high turnover rate, and, and that's partly because Players you thought you could trust just yeah. go south all of a sudden. Like happened to Zach Britton last year. Like happened, uh, to, uh, uh, well, I mean, Wade, Wade Davis had some bumpy stretches with the Royals the last couple of years when he was dealing with forearm How issues. about Kelvin Herrera? It was a total dud. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. No, it's a weird position for sure. And I don't know if these rankings are updated. I'm assuming they aren't. But right now, Heath has Wade Davis third. Oh, he loves Wade Davis. He does. He had him first. He, he had last Wade year. Davis first going into last year, even coming off those forearm issues. Yeah, I know. And, and the thing, Wade Davis would have had a better year if he had more save chances. It was strange that he didn't. Maybe he drops him now that he goes to Colorado. I don't know. The last, the last update was before that happened. I think for Heath, he's he's taking a little sabbatical. Yeah, he's right on now. A, a vacation. He's, we'll he's in back. the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, so next week, interesting point. That Fangraphs piece have the Rockies found answers at altitude. It is actually about throwing more curveballs and relying on the high fastball, low curveball 
combination. So it's uh maybe that's why they swapped out Holland. This for, seems uh, to be for Wade Davis. Holland is more of a slider. Yeah, this seems to be fitting within an organizational philosophy. Uh, the Rockies started throwing more curveballs as an organization last year, uh, which is bucking the trend league-wide, which is to throw fewer curveballs and more sliders. Chris, if I could get you to say something controversial here, can we just do a quick word association? I give you a word, you tell me what comes to mind. Don't even think about it. Empty your brain <laughs> like Ghostbusters 1. Just don't even think. Here we go. Ready? I feel like I'm being trolled here, but sure. Not, no, you're not. Ready? Here we go. Derek Jeter. Terrible. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Chris the Marlins fan. Just wanted to see how you felt about Derek Jeter right now. That's all. Just that's yeah, we haven't talked about it in a while. Yeah, we haven't had you on. Yeah, well he was he wasn't on the show where we I will reacted say, to all the Marlins. I, I will say no. Marlins had the best rule five draft in baseball. Did they? I like both the guys they picked up in the role. I think they were rule five picks. Garrett Cooper and oh. Caleb Smith. I yeah. think they might be uh Caleb Smith might be like the Marlins' second best pitcher. Wait, what, That's not an exaggeration. Wasn't Garrett Cooper on the Yankees last year? Yeah, yeah, both of them were. So what happened the last time the Marlins took somebody from the Yankees? Uh, Derek Jeter's yeah. been a great owner. <laughs> exactly. It, it was Cooper was picked up in a trade. Oh, okay. Uh, so not not one of the Rule Five picks. Neither of them. Oh, it was the Stanton pick. trade. <laughs> I guess. No, they had another <laughs> trade. No, uh, Caleb Smith. Uh, whatever. Was traded with him for Michael King. Oh, okay. Good. International bonus money. Big trade. So, yeah. uh, the Mariners, now that the Bills are in the playoffs, the Mariners have the longest postseason drought in professional sports. Two 2001? On that. Mm, yeah. Must be. Yeah. Because the Bills hadn't been in since the 99 season 2000 playoffs, I believe. So yeah. Mariners have the longest drought and they're trying so hard they'll probably make three trades by the time we're off the air. Alright, Chris's rotisserie Team. I, I don't know what happened here, but somebody took over Chris's mind and drafted starting pitchers in rounds one, four, and seven. I got good values on all of them. Plus 11, 12, 14, and 23. So he was starting pitcher heavy. And, you know, not surprisingly, I like his team. <laughs> I think I got really – well, I think the big thing is I think I got really good values on all of my starting pitchers. I got Clayton Kershaw at number 10. I mean, I spent my first-round pick on Clayton Kershaw. It's good value. Yeah. But then – Noah Syndergaard at 39th overall. I know he's coming back from the lat injury, but if he's healthy, that's a guy who has the potential to join that Kershaw, Sale, uh, Scherzer, Kluber group. So, and then James Paxton at, at the seventh round, 82 overall. There's risk there, but that's another guy that I think we all agree has top 10 starting pitcher potential, and it's not like you have to wish on it. Right. Okay, so it's... It's Kershaw in the first round, Syndergaard in the fourth, and Paxton in the seventh for Chris. Pretty good. Pretty and then good. McCullers in the eleventh, Marcus Stroman in the twelfth. It's it's a good pitching staff, and I don't feel like I really reached on anyone. Stroman is, I mean, I I have no problem. I'm, I doubt Scott does with Stroman in the twelfth round, but he is a guy who's no. better in points leagues than Roto. Sure, and he exists sort of to balance out Lance McCullers. Lance McCullers is all upside, but, you know, if he throws 140 innings next year, I might have to consider that a win. Marcus Stroman, he's proven pretty durable since that knee injury. He's a guy who goes deep into games, but he doesn't have the the big upside. So you pair him with a guy like Lance McCullers, you got a little, uh, got a little lightning in the thunder. 
Oh, nice. Is that Imagine Dragons? Yeah, I hate that song. I don't know why I did that. Why I'm do so they? Sorry. Why do they do that? Thunder, thunder. It's bad. Right? That weird. It's real bad. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So, well, anyway, you we don't have to go through every pitcher you have, but you obviously have a very good pitching staff, and you were able to get Joey Votto with the third or fourth pick of the second round, which is third, yeah, great in a roto league, um, and or points league, whatever. But this happens to be roto. All right. How how do you feel about your team? What takeaways? Do you come away with like? Do you feel like maybe you'd be more willing to prioritize pitching than you had been in the past? Because I know you like well, to sort of experiment with mock drafts. Yeah, that this gets into that where like with the mock drafts, I like to go into each one and try something different. And this time I went against my uh, usual path, and I think it worked out pretty well. Now it's dependent on you know if someone had taken Kershaw at seven, maybe I don't go with a starting pitcher there, but. You know, I looked at the shape of the draft, and I figured I could get Votto coming back uh, or, you know, one of those last couple of elite first basemen. And, you know, once that happened, like Votto and Freeman were available where I picked. I really like that turn if you can get out of that with Kershaw and then one of the elite first basemen. What, okay, the rest of your team. I mean, yeah, I, I really like your team. Scott, am I alone here or do you like Chris's team too? Uh, I was trying to refresh my memory on what my own team was. Well, your team is weird. Um, you took the Chris approach. You didn't take a pitcher until the seventh round. Well, yeah, but it was Chris Archer. I mean, it was still a high-end pitcher. It's true. Yeah, I got a little lucky. Um, high ERA pitcher, more like. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not as interested in investing in, um, you know, the really obvious innings questionables like Cindergard and, and Paxton. Um, not that I think it was, you know, he took them too high or anything. I agree with that assessment. I just, I don't know that I'd want that to be the strength of my team necessarily. Like if I'm going to invest in pitching, I want it to be in safe innings guys more so than, um, you know, hope to get lucky with the innings and, and they'll give you great ratios if you do. Even I mean, Cindergard threw what 200 and or 190 innings in 2016 between the regular season and postseason in 2015 i think he was over 200 yep so he's he could i mean he could get back there he's sure. certainly shown the ability and that's but something as your, you've as your fourth taught. round pick right fourth round yeah in a roto league um you kind of need him to do that yeah i mean there's some risk but it's it's a lat injury that's not it's not an elbow no. Um, and he's thrown 190 innings two of the last three seasons. And what you always talk about is you want a guy who's shown the ability to do. Yep. Not necessarily like, isn't Madison Bumgarner a bigger risk than? Ah, uh, I don't feel that his way. His injury about him. was a more serious one than Noah Syndergaard's, and he went right. But he came back ahead. and pitched what a month and a half? Sure. After two months when Syndergaard just kind of got like a tune-up start. Basically, yeah. Um, and just you know, I I feel like uh, obviously Madison Bumgarner's injury wasn't baseball related. He, he but wrecked, he sustained a motorbike, serious damage to a shoulder. To a center guard throws unnaturally hard. He's the hardest throwing pitcher in baseball, and it was the back of the shoulder muscle that went on him. So I, I feel like it was directly related to his manner of pitching, uh, and I, I think. 
I think the injury risk with him is very high still, even if he does have a past with, you know, pretty good innings totals. Yeah, I would just say the guys that went directly ahead of him at starting pitcher, Steven Strasburg, Luis Severino, Jacob deGrom, Justin Verlander, uh, Stras- or DeGrom's the only one that doesn't really have an injury risk out of that group, and even he. No, what about Verlander? Verlander is very. He's is 30. Always. He's 200 innings. He's 49 years old, though. <laughs> I mean, um, look, it, the, I, I, look, he I, has not been consistent over the last couple of years. Like, the final numbers end up being low 3 ZRA. Yeah. But the ride to get to that 330-ish ERA. Right. Has been pretty rocky the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Verlander and here. for someone who's going to be 35, uh, on opening day, mm-hmm. there's a chance, like the, it's gonna happen at some point. Well, I will say this. I mean, Kershaw, Cindergard, Paxton. I would hope, I, I would expect none of them to give me 200 innings. No. I would hope, I would hope, uh, I'm hoping for five. Maybe two of them could give you 180. Uh, but those three are all going to have such good ratios that, you know, even if you end up falling back a little in strikeouts, you're, you're going to have such a head start in ERA and whip that, um, you know, it, it may be worth it in this format to, to pair injury risks like that when you know, when, when obviously inning for inning, their pitchers as high end as those three. And three guys who are going to strike out 10 batters per nine helps. Yeah, okay, so let's see how we feel about Chris's lineup, because obviously he's got a lot of talent in his pitching staff. Salvador Perez and Travis Darno are his two catchers. It's a two-catcher league. Joey Votto, Brian Dozier, Miguel Sano, Javier Baez, that's his starting infield. Votto, Dozier, Miguel Sano, and Javier Baez, and then he's got Addison Russell at middle infield, and corner infield is Justin Bohr. So Votto, Dozier, Sano, Baez, and Russell, and Justin Bohr, and then in the outfield, Brantley, uh, Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, Dexter Fowler, Matt Kemp, and Jackie Bradley. I don't have enough power, for sure. No, you don't the, have enough speed, for sure, right? Yeah, I mean, I've got, I could probably use one big steals guy, mm-hmm. but I've got some guys that will steal 20. I've got multiple guys that I think will steal 20, so it's more... Who? Uh, Cain? Lorenzo Cain's going to get to 25 to 30. Michael Brandon should steal about 20. Uh, Christian Yelich should steal around 20. Uh, but mean, then Bradley's never even stolen 10 before. Yeah, you really? don't have enough speed. Okay. Yeah, so I need some speed. Mm, yeah. Sure. All right, you got Dozier and Sano and Vado on the infield and Justin Bohr. Dozier will steal some bases. Mm. Yeah, but he'll, he'll give you about 15. You have the need for yeah. speed, for sure. I need I yeah. need a speed guy. Yeah, all right. Well, you have to make a trade with the owner who took, like, every steals guy. <laughs> that was also there were not many of them available. Yeah. Wrap it up. It was Justin Mason. Your uh your final thoughts on your team and and the draft. The offense isn't as good as I would like it to be, but if we're buying the trends of the last few years, offense should be pretty easy to find. Yeah. There's going to be some corner infield option who comes up on waivers who's going to hit 38 home runs next year and I just have to make sure I get him. All right, it's time to do our favorite late round picks. So we'll talk about some guys that went in this draft, in a previous points league draft that we did, and, you know, some of our favorite guys that, you know, just put in your queue maybe, or just, it's early, your mental queue, I guess, right now. And I talk about Adam Eaton all the time, and he's more of a mid-round pick, 
but I think I think he's going to be really good. And here's a stat that means nothing, but it's interesting. He averaged 3.9 fantasy points per game, Adam Eaton. If he had played 150 games, he would have been the number four outfielder in points leagues. So obviously I don't expect him to average 3.9 fantasy points per game. He, in fact, had four games at Colorado in, in 23 <laughs> games last year. So that's yeah. inflated. He hit one of his home runs at Colorado. But he probably good. wasn't going to sustain his 170 run pace. No, but I think he will score over 100. That's my, yeah. you know, he's never yeah. done that, and I think that'll happen. I think Adam Eaton's going to be awesome value in points leagues. He's the kind of guy you can just start every week and not even worry about it. And then in Roto Leagues, I, let me see where he went. I think he went in like the 11th round or something. Uh, he went in. 11th the, round, yeah. Yeah, the end of the 11th. One pick before I took Brett Gardner. I wanted Adam Eaton. I, I think I've talked about Adam Eaton enough this offseason, but, but that is a guy that I'm going to be targeting around, right, round 11 or so. And, uh, I think he'll be very reliable. Not great, but very reliable. Uh, alright, let's, uh, let's keep the conversation going. I've got like eight guys that I can, Give brief thoughts on, but Chris Scott, jump in there. Some of your favorite late round picks that we've seen so far. Let's talk about Mister Irrelevant from the Roto draft we just did. If Chris Davis is going to go in the twenty third round, he's going to win some fantasy championships this year. Uh, I know he hasn't been great. I think for a couple of seasons, but we also we know who Chris Davis is. We know what kind of upside he has, and it's. It's just a question of can he have one of those 38 homer seasons? If he can, and you can get him with your last pick to be your utility player, yeah, that's huge value. It, it does seem weird that this is the year we choose to penalize Chris Davis for his. Well, he was terrible last year, right? But he's been terrible before and bounced back. Like it's it's just the nature of his mm-hmm. skill set. Like yeah. he, it, it, there's there's so much variance to what he can do from year to year, and mm. he could. Totally bounced back with 40 homers this year. Yeah, Bad but ball rates he, were all excellent. Here's the yeah. thing. If he hits 40 home runs, this guy has had a 221 or worse batting average in three of his last four seasons. Mm-hmm. If Chris Davis hits 40 home runs and bats 220, is, how valuable is that? Cause th- I mean, that's a batting average killer. That's what Chris Carter used to be. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's at least, uh, it's at least Joey Gallo, right? Who, Granted, went way too early in this draft, but he, if he wasn't, if we weren't drafting with someone who had a man crush on him, well, he still with, would have gone much earlier than with Gallo. You're, you're hoping the second half improvement where he hit like 250 and cut his strikeout rate, 230. Yeah, like you can live with that. Mm-hmm. But like you're hoping, can you live with anybody hitting 230 in your lineup? Yes, especially a guy like Joey Gallo or Chris Davis, and this is kind of. Something that you have to keep in mind with them, and it's going to be kind of a weird thing to say, but they don't get as many batting uh, at bats as most players because they walk so much. So, yeah. you know, a 220 batting average over 650 at bats versus one over 550, there is a marginal difference to there that that makes it a little less hurtful. Okay, fair enough. All right, good, good call. So so far, Adam Eaton, Chris Davis, Scott, it's your turn to nominate a player. I think relative to like Chris Taylor, Scooter Jeanette is being highly overlooked. Um, where did he go in this one? A guy who hit nearly 30 home runs last year, despite not becoming an everyday player. So 17th June. round, 197th overall. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still going to be in Cincinnati. 
Uh, they Zach Cozart is gone now, so it's not like he's going to have to worry about Jose Peraza stealing at bats for him. Second base job is Jeanette's. And um, I, I think a lot of what he did peripherally supports the uptick in power. And uh, I, I don't think it's such I don't think it's such an obvious fluke that we should be dismissing him so quickly. Scooter Jeanette. Okay, all right, good stuff. So Scooter Jeanette went. So where's he eligible, Scott? Just second base? Or? Just second base. All right. So some other second base. Like, would you rather have um, Jason Kipnis or Scooter Jeanette? Scooter. Chris? I'd probably rather have Kipnis in a vacuum. Well, he went later. Well, this is a vacuum. He went it? later. Okay, then I'd rather have Kipnis. Yeah, I took him with the last pick of round 19. 12th pick Way of round go. 19. <laughs> All right. Well, I have Jeanette 14th in my second base rankings and Kipnis 18th. How about Javier Baez or Jeanette? I'd rather have Jeanette. How much is Javier Baez going to play? Well, I don't know. You're the one who drafted him, tough guy. Because at the end of the season, if he gets 23 home runs and 10 stolen bases and hits 270, that's a pretty valuable player, even though yeah. he's not going to play every day. Although, you know, 508 plate appearances, he's you know going to play 75% of the time. I think he's okay. Here, here's an interesting stat for Scooter Jeanette. From June 18th on, which does not include the four-homer game he had, we're leaving the four-homer game out. Mm-hmm. Scooter Jeanette averaged 3.3 head-to-head points per game. The only second baseman to average more than that over the course of the season were Altuve, Jose Ramirez, Daniel Murphy, and Brian Dozier. Hmm. Well, if you would do it from June 19th, one day later, then it could be since my birthday. <laughs> so you just missed the cut of a relevant stat. Sorry, uh, Scott. All right. Yeah, such an arbitrary <laughs> cutoff I picked there. I'll nominate a new player. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how I feel, but there are a lot of pitchers, a lot of pitchers that are good late round picks, you know. But Jose Barrios is really interesting to me. The only problem with Jose Barrios is it's all based on an eight start stretch. He went seven and one with a 267 ERA, 15 walks to 53 strikeouts in 54 innings. He was awesome. And then his last 17 starts of 2017, Jeanette had a 468 ERA, and he had an 802 ERA in 2016. So the one thing I like about Jeanette, or Jeanette, but Barrios, excuse me, the one thing I like about Barrios is that um, the innings shouldn't be an issue. 169 and two-thirds in 2016, 185 and a third last year, so it's not like he's on a restriction. And we know how great his minor league numbers are, but is Jose Barrios a good late-round pick, or should we prioritize... You know, like a Denelson Lamed and Garrett Richards and guys like oh, that. Oh, better than that. Man. When was Barrios a late round pick? Uh, he was because he was in the twelfth round in the Roto draft. Yeah, I know. That's yeah, still... he's a top forty pitcher for me next year. Because like Denelson Lamed's actually someone that I have on my list of late round picks, but he went in the twentieth, twenty first round. Right. So he went yeah. one hundred and twenty picks later. We're still in the mid rounds, but we're. St- I mean, it's a lot of picks. Like it's one hundred and forty fourth pick. So. He last. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, that's. I think that's. I, I think that's fine value. Yeah. I I do wonder if Jose Barrios. What is, what is better than a like a five A player? Like I think he might be someone who just never lives up to the minor league stats, but is still pretty good. Like I just wonder if he's a little too hittable. If he works in the strike zone a little bit too much. He might have a little bit. This this is going to sound like a real insult, and I 
don't mean it to, but he reminds me a little bit of Ricky Nolasco. Like when Ricky Nolasco was like putting up really good peripherals, looked like he should have been better, but just ended up being too hittable, works in the zone too much. Yeah. No, I, th- I think it's it, I think it's fair to wonder, and that's why you know Jose Barrios was one of the rookie pitchers who got the most attention last year. And mm-hmm. when I was putting together my starting pitcher rankings, 38th felt actually a little low for him. Um, but I mean, his swinging strike rate was below the MLB average last yeah. year. He got 8.6 strikeouts per nine innings, which is fine. But you know, and, and it's, it's not like his control was off the charts good. It was a little below average also. Like there's there's definite upside here with Barrios and you know, I, I don't think he's going to be a disaster, but he's he is among that group of pitchers where you just don't really know. He's on the higher end of that group, but it, it's kinda like I was saying last year. There's a stretch of pitchers from like thirty five to you know, eighty who I feel like could finish in basically any order. Right. Right, and they that's all why... have some degree of upside, some degree of downside. Yeah, Rios is on the higher end of that list, but he, he's not like a safe pick in the he middle was rounds. Drafted during a really interesting run of pitchers okay. at the end of the twelfth round: Jeff Samarja, Johnny Cueto, Alex Wood, John Gray, Jose Barrios. Right at the end, that's a really interesting mixture of safer old guys, riskier old guys, and Johnny Cueto. And then three guys with huge upside in Alex Wood, John Gray, and Jose Barrios. Uh, I think the order that they went in, Wood, Gray, Barrios, for those three kind of younger guys, makes sense. Wood, Gray, Barrios. All right. Chris, late round pick. Go. Uh, I'll toot my own horn. Do we know who Jackie Bradley is? Is he the guy from 2015 and 2016? Clearly you don't because you thought he was going to steal you 20 bags. Oh, I was talking about somebody. Mike, I was talking about Michael Brantley. Uh, he can right. steal twenty bags. Did I just mishear you? I think so. No, I think, I think we I just think got our said, wires crossed. I think you said Jackie Bradley. Well, I met Michael Brantley, and everyone knew it. <laughs> this discussion is falling apart. Uh, but Jackie Bradley, you know, he was not very good last year. He was obviously no Michael the Brantley. worst hitter in baseball for the first two seasons of his career. My, who who the hell are you talking about right now, Brantley Jackie or, Bradley? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Nineteenth okay. round, Jackie Bradley posted. 832 and 835 OPSs in 2015 and 2016. Has 30 homer pop. Presumably, I mean, we have to see where he ends up playing, but if he stays in Boston, if they can't get this J.D. Martinez deal done, going to be playing in a good lineup, going to be playing in a good park for his swing. And in the 19th round, I think that's a great value. Oh, man, I don't know. He he might not be very good. There's a lot of bad there for Jackie Bradley. Yeah. I mean, he was bad last season. The first two years, I think you kind of give him a pass because his minor league track record is so good. The breakout happened. I have faith that Jackie Bradley can be a mid-800s OPS guy. And actually, if he gets traded, if Boston does sign J.D. Martinez and moves Jackie Bradley, that might not necessarily be a bad thing because left-handed power is hard to come by in Boston. He could move to a better park. All right. All right, so Jackie Bradley Brantley, Jackie Jackie Bradley, Jackie Bradley, that's who we're talking about. Scott, you're up. Late round pick. Late round pick. Okay. So I am going to stick with the pitchers and um I want to nominate I want to nominate um 
Jordan Montgomery actually is mm. somebody I'm going to be looking to draft a lot at the end of drafts, mm, that's, particularly that's in sure, leagues that not sure that's a good idea. He might get bumped out of the rotation. He might get bumped out of the rotation, but I think by the time we're drafting for real, we'll we'll know the answer to that for we sure, will, right? Well, yeah. Um. So it, wait, is he is he in line to be the fourth or fifth now? The fifth. Right. Right. Tanaka, Sabathia, Severino, Sonny Gray. Right. right. He's in line to be the fifth. I think he's actually better than Sabathia, but yeah. Uh, good swing strike rate as a rookie last year, Excellent and and rate. got to a number of innings that would lead you to believe he's equipped to go 180 plus this year if the Yankees allow him to. But really, it's just I have so much confidence in that Yankees lineup, which was already. The second best in the AL last year, and now they're adding Giancarlo Stanton to it. I have so much confidence in the Yankees bullpen, which to me has five closer caliber relievers in it, that uh, leads are going to be frequent, and they are going to be held on to. So I think there are a lot of wins in Jordan Montgomery's future if he is, in fact, in the Yankees rotation with you know, a, a decent strikeout total. It's not like the other numbers are going to be questionable. I could see him having like, like a throwback Andy Pettit type season. You know, Andy Pettit for his time with the Yankees. It's it's not like he ever really carried anybody in ERA and WHIP, but he had a decent strikeout total, a lot of wins. That's what I think Montgomery could be for fantasy owners for a very low cost, and uh, definitely somebody I'm going to be looking at a lot. Sort of a side conversation. I do wonder. First of all, on Montgomery, I. I don't know how much faith the Yankees have in him. I, I don't know why they would be trying to pursue these starting pitchers if they liked him as much as as the peripheral Greed, number. Adam. Greed. I, I guess. But, and, you know, factoring in attrition. Yeah. Which every, every team has to do these days. But the other Look thing at, on him is that I – so quality starts might be tough to come by with him. You mentioned all the great relievers in the bullpen. And you look at what the Dodgers did last year, and I, I wonder if the Yankees are the next team to just not let their starting pitchers other than – Maybe Severino and Tanaka face an order three times. That's fair. That, that may be true. I wondered that about Sonny Gray as, as well, uh, cause it seemed like you know, he wasn't pitching as deep into games after joining the Yankees yeah. last year. But the thing is that bullpen is so deep and that offense is so good. I still think there are going to be a lot of wins there, even if the quality starts suffer Plus, a little. Okay. He's not going to go into deep, deep into games. That puts him in the company of all but about 11 pitchers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's just Good something to too. keep in mind. And and actually, if that is a trend in baseball, then it does make the quality start statistic and category more valuable, more yep. scarce. More yep. scarce, yeah. Um, the one thing I wonder with him as a pitcher, he's a guy with a five-pitch arsenal. And I just wonder a little bit if he's a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none kind of thing. He doesn't have... Like one pitch that he can go to, he has several decent pitches. That's exactly right on Jordan. And I Montgomery. wonder if that can be a positive in the minors. It can be a positive when people are starting to figure you out. But once you develop and the scouting report is out on you, you know, I I, I do wonder whether that. But I no, I fully agree with. He went in the. Like, he's never going to be James Paxton, I don't think. Right. Like, I, but, I don't think Montgomery is somebody with ace upside. He went in the 21st round after Dan Straley in right. the head-to-head -head mock we did earlier in the, in the offseason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did not go in the road draft. It's fine. 
Yeah. yeah. All right, Jordan Montgomery, good stuff. Who's up, me? Me again. Yeah, let's see where I, – I keep doing these mid-round picks, so – um, you know what? It's fine. What's the harm in talking about mid-round picks? Two outfielders in a roto league that I, that I like in a five-outfielder league. Uh, Ender Enciarte and Kevin Kiermeyer. They went in the 13th round. So Enciarte was the number 17 outfielder in points, number 22 in roto. Uh, he does not strike out all that much, so he's better in points leagues. But he gives you a good, good batting average. He's batted, uh, 303, 291, and 304 in his last three seasons. It's very valuable. He scored 93 runs last year, and Enciarte stole 22 bases. So he's, I guess he's sort of a category specialist, but a lot of times when you think category specialist, you think steals. He's a batting average specialist. Guy can hit around 300 and get a lot of it, get a lot of it bats. That's, that's very valuable. And then Kiermeyer, like, I don't know. Scott was very high on Kiermeyer last year. He got hurt. He only played 98 games, but he batted 276 with 15 homers and 16 steals. And I kind of feel like he might be a player. If Kiermaier ever plays 150 games, uh, maybe he, you know, he could get you like 25, 25. And it yep. might, it might be ugly the way he gets there. Like there might be times where we're like, you got to drop Kevin Kiermaier. You know, he might have total terrible stretches. I don't know. But in a roto league, especially a five outfielder league, Kiermaier could really get you Power and steals. You just have to worry about batting average. 276 last year was really good. A lot of times he's been in like the 240 to 250 range, but uh, I think those guys were good. Were solid picks in round 13. They're not going to win you fantasy in Ciarte and Kiermaier, but they're not going to lose you fantasy either. It is also worth noting that he went in the 19th round in the head-to-head mock draft that we did yeah. earlier. Who's that? Three, three outfielder league versus yeah. five outfielder league. You, you probably are talking about a late rounder for Kiermaier, and he could be, you know. Brett Gardner had a great season last year. I don't think anyone's counting on him doing quite that again because he's been up and down and he's 34 years old. And Ke- Kiermaier's seven years younger. Doesn't have Stanton and Judge batting. Yeah, him, but he he's had seven Stanton and Judge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, okay, cool. So those are just two, two mid-round outfielders in five outfielder leagues, late-round outfielders in three outfielder leagues in Ciarte and Kiermaier. Uh, Chris, go for it. We'll, uh, this will be our last round here. Then we'll read some emails and finish up on fantasy baseball today. Chris, go. I have drafted this guy in both of the drafts we did. He was the 21st round pick, my last pick in the head-to-head draft, and that is exquisite value. Dexter Fowler. All right. I, in a, in a points league especially, but even in a roto league, he's pretty solid. And I, I, I get that he's not someone who's a very sexy name. He doesn't have a ton of upside. And he's gotten hurt the last couple of years and hasn't played more than 125 games. But he's been a mid-800s OPS guy two years in a row. Very good on base abilities. Walks a bunch. He'll steal a few bases. You're hoping you get 15 out of him. Uh, Decent pop. But but, just a solid player all around. But, Chris, if you're not in an OBP league, like what does Dexter Fowler do for you? He doesn't I mean, give you're, you batting you're average. extolling the virtues of Kevin Kiermeyer because he hit 276 one time. Yeah. Dexter Fowler could be a better version of Kevin Kiermeyer in a much better line. I don't know because I, no, I think might even be a closer comp to but Fowler. Wait, but Kier, just hold on, because Kiermeyer more home runs, more steals. Maybe more home runs. Over the last three seasons, he's averaged 17 home runs but per 162 played... games. Dexter Fowler has actually hit that many home runs in a season. Uh, but over his last two seasons, Kevin Kiermeyer, his 162 pace would be. Oh come on, I have this somewhere. No, I don't. I don't. I lied. Um, 
would be higher. <laughs> I don't think that's true because Dexter Fowler's 162 game pace is 21 home runs and 14 steals. Oh, you're right. You know what? It's not true. It's not true. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that Fowler hit 18 home runs in 118 games last year. It's pretty And good. 13 and 125 the year before. He's a, not a great source of power, not even a very good one, but he's a, he's someone who across five different categories, Helps as much as you like Adam Eaton, Adam. I feel like you should like Fowler. I think, I think if it was Adam Fowler, no, I, I, I think game <laughs> for game they're basically the same. But Fowler's biggest issue is health. He's limited to like 120 yeah. games. No, I used to year. love. I used to love Dexter Fowler. I'm just kind of over it because. But in all, 2015, he played 156 games, scored 102 runs, only drove in 46, only hit 250. But 17 homers, 20 stolen bases, and he's a 275, 280 batting average guy. Yeah, I don't know. I think he might be kind of done. I think he's on the downside. He was really good last year. He, 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 was, he was better than Kevin Kiermeyer last if year. If you look and he's at his later than Kevin Kiermeyer, he had streaks. If you look at his point <laughs> per production by week, he's got a lot of really bad weeks in there. Because he, didn't, he missed a lot of time. But I'm not looking at the weeks where he had zero and he was out. I'm looking at uh, most of his weeks. He had some huge weeks and he I had I feel streaks. like this is not a standard you are holding your boy Kevin Kiermeyer to. I'm That's not, all no, Kevin Kiermeyer is not my boy. I think he will get more steals than Dexter Fowler. I think he will blow Dexter Fowler away in steals. And that is why he's more valuable in Roto. But Fowler probably would be better in a points league. Yeah, give me Dexter Fowler eight rounds later in a that's much fi- better lineup. That's fine. That That's totally fair. I think he's a great late-round pick. I think he's being weirdly overlooked in every draft we've done so far. And I will happily take him in the 19 to 21 round range. All right, but he is like extreme. He gets hurt all the time. I think that's probably what it was for me. Like I used to love Dexter Fowler. He used to be my Adam Eaton. But I love guys like that. It's consistent producers. That are underrated and you get late, but he gets hurt all the time. It's extremely frustrating. And Adam Eaton's a picture of health, obviously. So Scott, <laughs> uh, you're, go for it. So Fowler, I have 40th in the rankings I'm looking at here. Kevin Kiermeyer, 47th. I'm moving down even further in the outfield rankings to a pair just outside my top 60. So we're, we're talking definitive late round picks here. Jesse Winker and Austin Hayes. I prefer Winker in a points league because his walk rate is uh pretty phenomenal. Like he could you know, he's he's probably going to finish second to Joey Votto in on base percentage for the Reds. Um and then Austin Hayes really hasn't shown the ability to walk much at all in the minors, but what he did do between two stops, high class A and double A last year in the Orioles system is he hit uh, 329 with 32 home runs, was one of very just a handful of minor leaguers to, to eclipse 30 homers, and a 958 OPS. Got got a cup of coffee late in the season, and the way the Orioles offseason is gone, it looks like he's probably going to be their everyday right fielder come the start of the season. So um, didn't get- walk much, but made a lot of contact, obviously has power potential, I think has a very high ceiling and, and is going to get the opportunity. He was my fifth outfielder uh, in this Roto draft. I think he was my last pick or maybe second to last pick. And then Winker with all the walks in the points format. Now his, his issue in the minors, good hitter, but not enough power. Well, he came up late last year and hit seven home runs in 47 games. And the weird thing about him was 
I think he had a wrist injury in the 2015 season and basically didn't hit for power in 2016 or 2017 at AAA. He played 191 games AAA, hit five home runs, but only struck out 105 times in 195 games, hit 308, and I'm pretty sure he had a wrist injury. If that's healed, I'm with you. I I think Jesse Winker has, like, low-key star potential. You go back to 2014, 2013 in the minors when he was still a teenager. And he had back-to-back 15 homer mm-hmm. seasons. And you know, obviously we're in the age, the juice ball era that doesn't, it, it seems to not really translate in the minors so much as the majors. So you expect players' power to uptick in the majors. I felt like that was something that generally happened anyway because pitchers are more in the strike zone. Players are getting stronger um, as they enter their mid-20s. So I, I think, I think Winker, Winker, you know, he, he may not be a 30 homer guy, but I think he'll give you enough power to make good on all his natural hitting ability and uh, be a fine value in the late rounds. Cool. Yeah, I think he could be really, really good. Jesse Winker for the Reds, Austin Hayes for the Orioles. And unfortunately, we're about out of time today, cutting it a little short. I have a bunch of emails in the notes that I wanted to get to. Matt from St. Louis tells us that we forgot the general manager of our all-Christmas team. That would be Billy uh, Green Bean Casserole. Like Billy Bean, Billy Green Bean Casserole. Oh. Yeah, I, I associate that more with Thanksgiving. That's more of a Thanksgiving yeah. one, but I appreciate that. Oh, he did say Thanksgiving and Christmas. He did say Thanksgiving and oh, Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It would be better. All right. So listen, we our, our next podcast, not sure if it'll be this week or next week. I think next week for sure we'll start doing two per week. We will read a lot of your emails, so please sit Adam. tight. Yes. Yes. Tony Falalalala Rusa. Goodbye, everybody. That's Chris Towers and Scott White. I'm Adam Azer. We'll talk to you next week for sure, perhaps later this week. Until then, fantasy baseball's back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>